Okay, everybody, welcome back to Booze and Views. James and Jessica Grissom here to talk about our journey as um, Christ followers who live in the South. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I have a hard time quantifying any other words these days, um, but I am a Christ follower and I do live in the South. And that is not the same thing as what has become Southern Evangelicalism. And if you have been a listener to some of our other casts in the past, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, so today we're going to be talking about um, metaphors. So we're going to get a little poetic tonight and <laughs> no better way to inspire poetry than uh, some Irish whiskey, and some Irish thought in general. No. Um, and it was St. Patrick's Day recently. So. Yeah, exactly. So the Irish are known for being poetic, for being very metaphorical people, very uh, you know, just known for uh, their verbosity mm. um, and for their whiskey. Yeah. So this one is slain. I told Jessica I was going to make a joke about slaying in the spirit, <laughs> but that'll be the only one. Um, <laughs> I hadn't heard of that until I was like 19, but yeah. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is a this good one's... Irish whiskey. Um, you know, for, for my money, like I hate to say it, but um, this one isn't expensive. It's only... 30 bucks, I think, maybe just slightly over. Um, Kavanaugh is like not even $20 and it's smoother than this. Mm. Um, but I do think that this one has some more, um, there's some more character in here. Like I can taste some oak, I can taste some sherry, I can taste um, just a slight hint of spice back in there from wherever those barrels were harvested. Um, and yeah, it's it's a good one. I'd give this one a seven and a half. Okay. How about you? I mean, it's good. I'm, I'm still, I could taste it and say, yes, this is whiskey. And I could say, yes, it's more oaky or, you know, I don't like the ones that are super smoky, but I don't drink enough of them to just be able to say oh yeah that's what that is <laughs> sure i wouldn't be able to tell you it's kind of like coffee like you know unless you drink a ton of coffee in different times and really get used to it you really just can't tell at first that there's differences in coffee and that's the same thing with whiskey for me mm. unless it's like super smoky because then I, i'm not crazy about that but this one's nice yeah i have a lemon uh well not really a wedge feel, feel in it yeah yeah, just a hint of citrus definitely perks it up a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, not bad. All right. So, speaking of our musical heritage, mm -hmm. um, Jessica and I both got a decent bit of Irish in our blood. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's it's, a, it's an island full of people who, um, who have a, a rich use of the... Gaelic and the English languages, and um, you know we've we've got so many fantastic authors of Irish descent. Um, 
And, you know, just, I mean, going all the way back to the St. Patrick tales, um, I mean, we know now that most of them are not really the man St. Patrick, but they're still fun tales um, told really well. Um, and when we're talking about metaphors of God, probably the Irish one that everybody thinks of is the Three Leaf Clover Trinity one, which probably was not St. Patrick, but it's still um, it's still a great analogy. You know, it's you know the you pick up the three leaf clover and and the pagan asks saint patrick how can there be three gods who is yet one and he picks up the only three leaf clover in the field of four leaf clovers and says just like this clover is one and yet three parts so is our father in heaven one with the spirit and the sun um, and it's a great analogy, you know. Um, I've also heard, you know, the, the metaphor of water um, in a couple of different ways. Water, whether it is liquid or steam or ice, is still water. So God, whether he is the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, is still God. And I've heard it in the, you know, the atomic way to where um, God without the three components of H2O. Without those three components, it's no longer water. Um, and so these are great things that help us understand uh, the 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 extreme mystery of God. Um, we listened not too long ago uh, at my friend Elliot's suggestion to a podcast name uh, from my that had Richard Rohr in it. Uh, he and I need to Elliot and I need to collaborate on that. Um, and so I can give my full feedback. But one of the things that he said in there that I absolutely love is that when we talk about the mystery of Christ or the mystery of God or the mysteries, Paul says, you know, this is a mystery. Um, I had always been a tiny bit uncomfortable with that, of it meaning something unknowable. And to me, that was antithetical to the Incarnation. Um, the Incarnation assumes that now God is knowable, at least in Jesus' form. But the way he explains it is the mystery of God means, or the mystery of Christ in, in his specific case, means that it is um, infinitely, uh, infinitely searchable to where you can always learn more. It's always, aha, 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 more, more, more about God, about Jesus, about Christ, um, to where it never runs out of more knowledge. Not that it's unknowable, but that it's knowableness <laughs> is bottomless, which is fantastic. I love that, absolutely love that. But we as humans, um, and something that the Irish are very well known for is uh, we need to relate to things on a personal level by using analogy, by using metaphor, by using um, relationships on our own lives to compare to other things. And what I've discovered over the course of my life, and you know, Jessica and I have been talking about this a lot lately. Um, with some of the movements going on in America right now is that 
some of the old metaphors for God are not useful for all people. Some of the ways that we know God, that we identify with God, are actually harmful for another person to try to know God in that same way. Um, and that's okay. It's okay uh, if what draws you near to God is different than what draws others when you are using analogy and metaphor and trying to understand um, some of this bottomless depth of the infinite God. Um, so I want to talk about a couple that are damaging for different reasons first um, to different people, not to everybody, um, but to different people why some concepts of God that we grew up with might be harmful in other contexts. Um, and I'm going to use all of these third party. I'm, I'm, I don't want you to assume that any of these are from me because I don't want anybody calling me asking questions about my upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And we've, We've been on the prayer team at church before and um, and worked with people in our jobs and such. So, yeah, not to betray any kind of confidence or anything, just right. to show how sometimes this is uh, this can be harmful. Absolutely. So the first one that I want to talk about um, that can be really harmful in certain contexts and uh, sorry this may be a triggering point for some conservatives but talking about God as a father and just think of God as your father just like your father loved you so does the father in heaven is really hurtful to some people because they didn't have that you want to uh, yeah so um I was working with a friend um, and I wasn't, I wasn't working in the room when they were having this, um, they were having a kids camp for um, foster children. And I had, um, I'd help some of the supplies and things like that, but I wasn't in the room where they were doing the counseling, but my friend is a counselor and they were in there and they had bought um, this, they had bought different kinds of birthday things and fun stuff for the kids. And the one of the little girls had opened up a, a little princess kit. And, you know, in your mind, and I mean, in my mind, it's like, oh, that's fun. Like you get, like, you get to be a princess for today, this is great. And she, she was horrified and she said, I can't be a princess because her father had molested her multiple times. And seeing anything with that scared the mess out of her. And the idea of father, you know, and, and when they were using the Bible stories of God as a father and all this, she she said you could tell that her face just was crestfallen. She she moved to the other side of the room and she was upset. And it took a while for them to realize, for, for my friend to realize, okay, this is not helpful. This idea of God being a father is not helpful because her father had molested her multiple times. And that was the one of the first times that I really, like, I knew 
things like that had happened, but that was the first time in a real life context that that became real. And uh, yeah, it was not helpful. And so, you know, I have gone through, um, you know, in my life, uh, my parents were divorced um, and then they were divorced other times from other spouses. And, you know, without even going as awful as that, as that form of abuse, um, that just that without diving into uh, a lot of family details, but just um, being a product of, you know, a, a broken marriage or in living in those environments um, also damages your view of God as father and mother. Because if God is permanent and God is perfect, um, but and you keep telling people it's just like your parents will always love you and then your parents can't stand each other it it's damaging to a young child growing up trying to reconcile that mm -hmm. and i know that from personal experience yeah absolutely all right so a second one that we hear all the time um and again like this is not this is not debating the veracity of the statement when Paul refers to the church as the bride of Christ, um, not trying to say that that's a bad thing. When, when we hear the parable of, you know, the, the brides, it, that's not in and, in and of itself a bad thing, but this conception of the Bible presenting the perfect ideal of what husbandhood is and that by obeying your husband you are in Christ and using this analogy of husband can also be really damaging because of divorce and other other reasons even before divorce ever happens mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so I mean just in the past I don't know, 10 years, I've had, I've had at least five people confide in me about domestic abuse and not even, and, and I'm not saying this is good because <laughs> it's never good, but not even mistreatment, but like outright sexual and mental and emotional abuse. And so yeah, using that again, when you're trying to talk with somebody at church or they're sitting in church listening to this and all they can think of is, are these things. And this isn't just something that we're coming up with. Like these are people that have confided in me that have talked about, this isn't helpful. Yeah. Another one that, um, you know, I, uh, I worked at an Assembly of God college for almost 12 years. Um, and I know a lot of devout, real followers of Christ from that environment. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Um, and the AG, uh, like a lot of other Pentecostal movements, puts a lot of stock in healing. And I don't begrudge them that. Um, but the pure fact of the matter is lots of people 
aren't going to get healed and eventually we're all going to die. And when I can't tell you the damage that I saw on people that I love of going on and on and on about God is a healer, God is a healer, God is a healer, when the joy of your life is dying. Um, And yes, I believe that God can and does work miracles. No, I don't know what that looks like all the time. Um, But I do think that it is is our responsibility as people and as people who say that they love one another to be honest and say the healing might not be right now. The healing might not happen right now. Um, And Jessica heard this firsthand. when having a discussion about healing um as far as the one from dr mag uh-huh. um so yeah um one of our my one of my bosses um his his dad told me and his dad's a, an ag pastor and simply a god pastor and he told me he said you know even the people that jesus healed they still died like they still died later we all are gonna die later and it's not that, you know, if somebody comes up to me and, or, you know, I, I saw something just a few minutes ago um, on Facebook from a friend that she's she's having a hard time physically right now. I absolutely pray for her healing. I absolutely want her to be healed here and now. She's got kids and I, I hope and want the best for her. And, and that's with anybody. Um, so I'm going to pray that their physical body is healed, but I think the idea of healer sometimes gets confused with always the aspect of here versus the overall healing in the long term. And, you know, again, it's, there's nothing wrong with seeking that and praying for that and wanting that, um, but I do think that it can be damaging for those people who hear all the time, all you've got to do is have more faith. Mm-hmm. Or if it only if only the people had had more faith, then this would have happened. And that can be really, really damaging. Because the bottom line is, we're all going to die anyway. Um, and I know how morbid that sounds, but... It leads me to one of my favorite labels of God, metaphors of God, descriptions of God, that I think is far more important than uh, immediate temporal healing. And that is God is our redeemer. What does that mean to you? I mean, in the strictest sense, or in the... (laughs) not in the theological sense as such, but just in thinking of it, it's like taking something that was meant for for harm and transforming it into something wonderful or better or good. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's, that's a great way to look at it. Um, you know, in the strictest sense, you know, a redemption is you um, present a 
a coupon. Think of it that way. Yeah. You, you redeem yeah. a coupon in exchange for goods and services or a discount or th- something like that. You redeem a coupon, right? Mm-hmm. So our you know, coupon, our already there, not yetness, is the Holy Spirit in us, working in us to um, perfect us, to lead us down the path of becoming righteous and that in the end god redeems us god buys us back god exchanges our coupon for something glorious he exchanges our piece of paper for artwork he takes away our this is the best we can do and gives us back the best and the picture of God as the Redeemer, God as the one who takes ashes and gives life, is what gives me hope when the healing isn't immediate, or the husband is a jerk, or the father is an absentee landlord, or the mother is only concerned about herself. When all of these are true, the Redeemer is coming for me. And the beautiful thing about redemption is it's already in process. And that's something that we ignored a lot in evangelical circles. It's always something that's going to happen when we die and then finally we'll be redeemed. But the fact of it is, Paul talks about finding the secret to joy is being content in every situation because the Redeemer is with you. It's knowing that right now, my life is better simply because Jesus is in it. Even if my outside circumstances haven't changed, I can have joy right now if I choose to. And that's tough for someone who grew up clinically depressed to wrap my mind around, but I've seen it. Hmm? Yeah. So my other favorite, um, and then I want to leave you time to talk about any of yours. My other favorite uh, metaphor for Christ is a shepherd. Um, and this one seems overused. We say it all the time. But I don't know how often I've, I've ever really thought about it. And I think that this is part of us being so withdrawn <laughs> in, you know, American culture. Like, so, most of us are so far withdrawn from, you know, growing up in an agricultural uh, set that we just can't really connect the dots. But I remember, this is going to sound really silly, but... Um, I've had the privilege and the joy to go to Israel twice. The first time that I went, we visited this little village on the outskirts of Jerusalem um, where they saw some shepherds and they pulled over and and they let us, you know, um, pet the lambs. And I saw the shepherd call out and there were two flocks next to each other and only his sheep came running. And somebody asked what about the rest of me it's like oh that's you know the guy down the road that's his sheep 
and but the sheep knew his voice and they came running and his little girl she's a beautiful little girl like probably 10 years old just these you know eyes the size of saucers <laughs> picked up a lamb and, and just just shyly sat there and let people pet the lamb's head and it was just this beautiful beautiful picture of um you know the vulnerability of the sheep and the little girl combined with the shepherd looking over his daughter and his sheep and the shepherd knowing who his sheep were and knew when all of them were there knew that when he called out only his would come it, it just it really struck a chord in me that i can't quite explain and um that's what I like to think about when I think of God as the shepherd, as Jesus as the shepherd, it's someone who intimately knows me and who looks out for me. Yeah. So, what about you? Any other favorites? I we were actually talking about this the other day, and um, and our um, racial awareness diversity class. <laughs> I mean and book club and we were talking about the idea of you know christ followers being the light of the world and how for a time people like were horrible and used this and i, I hope well i don't i don't want to say if there if there are still people that believe this there might be because the world is crazy with this kind of stuff but the idea of um the white race being light and so therefore they were also being the light of the world and you know getting rid of darkness and all this craziness and i hadn't heard that but i'm i'm in the midst of learning this side of things but i've always liked the idea of the light analogy just because or the metaphor because you know, if you, we, we did this with the baby not too long ago when our um, our power supply went out and um, we our electricity was off for a time. And, you know, you can light one candle in the room and if you set it up high enough, like it, it can light the room enough for you to see. And seeing, you know, little bit's face and it's like, it's okay, we're, we're okay and the idea of you know god being our light and shedding enough of that um for us to walk through life and we're not gonna see everything always a hundred percent and sometimes we might but um just the idea of having those glimpses of hope along the way and so i've always liked that that metaphor yeah. um and like I said, it's it's sad that, again, people can misuse or uh, based on experience and circumstances, um, these things can, these different metaphors can be misconstrued yeah. and misinterpreted. And that's, I'm sure that's not the intention with any of that, um, but just to, just to be careful of, of those things when you are speaking with someone else yeah i mean because the bottom line is if god is truly infinite which i believe he is 
then um, it's not that we can't know him. It's that there are many ways to know him. And if the way that we're trying right now isn't contextually relevant, that's fine. God's not going to have his feelings hurt by saying it's more useful right now for this person to think of the Redeemer instead of the healer. It's more useful right now for this person to think of God as the Father because they're aching for theirs. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But we should be sensitive to the contextual clues of whether that's hurting or harming because in the end, it's just language for us to try to understand a little bit of an infinite God. Um, and Richard Rohr also talked about light and uh, you know, close out with this, that God as light, the reason God created light first and the reason Christ is known as the light is because it is by light that we can see or know anything. And that has a real depth to it for me. So, with that said, anything else? No, I think that's good. That's good thing. All right, folks, keep drinking and thinking.